You're listening to the last session of the day with the Sight Guys. So welcome back to the last session of the of the day with the Sight Guys. Today we have joining us uh, Mark Bonani from uh, Blue Crest Recovery. And today's conversation is really about addiction and COVID. I know this is something that's been talked about quite a while, but we thought, Tim and I thought it might be a good idea to kind of jump in and uh, give our little spin on this situation. So Mark, welcome. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Um, if you just want a little 15 second blurb, I'm Mark Bonani. I am the VP of Community Outreach for Blue Crest Recovery Center. Um, so I, I work with therapists and, and different types of people that uh, anyone that might see someone struggling with addiction, hospitals, you, you name it, mm-hmm. um, to try to help that person get connected to help and, and stuff like that. So thanks for having me on. That's how you and I met a couple sure. years ago, Dr. Lucan. And uh, also, I, I'm a discloser, just so you guys know, long-term recovery mm-hmm. guy. I don't mind telling people that. It's my anonymity to blow. So. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Uh, So maybe we can kind of jump in. And uh, Tim, what do you think about um, addictions in the times of COVID? Yeah, well, I mean, from what I've seen, it's it's been a whole lot more um, over the past 18 or 19 months or however long it's been. um, A whole lot more people coming in, um, not necessarily sometimes as like alcohol or drug abuse as like a primary um, presenting problem. But even even in the folks that, who are dealing with anxiety, depression, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, a lot of substance abuse has been coming up in conversation about ways that people are coping with all the difficulties and feelings. So um, sort of um, as like presenting problem number one or two or three or four, it's coming up a whole lot more. And, and that's what I've noticed. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I kind of I, I see the same thing. Even people who've kind of you know, teetered back and forth about maybe not having uh, <clears throat> any, you know, functional interference with their drinking seems to have an uptick. And I'm sure, Mark, potentially you could speak to that a little bit about what you guys have seen during this time. And and most importantly, how do you navigate people who are calling in for help, something more of an uh, inpatient uh, sort of setting during COVID? How's that playing out? So it was an incredible um, year, really. I mean, it's lightened up a little bit, but the first 12 months and mm-hmm coming right out of the, the real lockdowns that we all dealt with, the amount of people calling up, I was working at a detox setting for ah, okay. just at that time, right? mm-hmm. I had Blue Crest for a little while. Um, first timers in treatment, uh, alcohol abuse, incredible. And I'm talking about professionals, teachers, wow. firefighters, police, and they're calling up and they're saying, I don't understand. I'm 37 years old. I'm in a relationship, whatever. I'm married. I've got kids. I've, I've always been a weekend drinker. Mm-hmm. And I, during COVID, suddenly they're drinking every day and they want to stop, but they can't. And then they start to have the withdrawal symptoms. And it was an incredible amount of stories just that way. Um, and working with like EAPs, they would tell you that they're, they're sending more first timers. And it seems like addiction, you know, I, I kind of believe in the 12 step model of addiction mm-hmm. often. And they say like, it's an opportunistic patient disease. And so for years and years and years, you guys might be working with some people that are I, I thought, teetering on alcoholism, mm-hmm. right? And then the moment arrives and they can't go out and they can't see their people and they can't have their normal hobbies and anything that was keeping them and their jobs, right? So when people begin to work from home, 
some of them started, you know, it was five o'clock somewhere mentality. And so right. mm-hmm. 11 a.m., it's five o'clock somewhere. Let's, and, and they started to drink and they started to, and it became a problem. And eventually the jobs find out or somebody is saying, hey, the wife, the husband saying, you're drinking a little early and a little much. Maybe. Right. And all of a sudden they're coming into detox. So it was kind of a crazy time. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, what, one thing comes to mind, I, I've seen several, uh, I mostly work with men, several gentlemen that uh, tell me kind of a similar story to, to what you're saying. All of a sudden, we're kind of weekend drinkers, maybe with friends, golf, whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, you know, they start drinking at night you know, by themselves, you know, the significant others or whatever are, you know, falling asleep and they're just like pounding it hard uh, after hours, right? Like, and, and nobody's the wiser for some time. Uh, and when an issue really arises, so, you know, a couple of gentlemen come to mind that said like, when, when that gentleman said like, I'm struggling with an addiction, some of his friends were not really sure how to respond because they never seen him uh, drink with friends, but it's just kind of like a solitary thing that really bubbled into a you know pretty severe addiction mm-hmm. you know w- w- one thing that i'm thinking about is you know oftentimes when i'm asking people about their uh, drug or alcohol use when i'm when i'm meeting with them for the first time um it, it, it's like a little bit of a orange flag if, if people are saying that they drink a lot by, mm-hmm. by themselves you know they, they, there's a difference between social drinking you know I, I go to a barbecue and have two three beers as opposed to you know I'm pouring whiskey for myself at night um, I guess I'm just thinking about it right now with the with the with the quarantine and the social isolation you know it, it the only time people would drink would be by themselves right and and it and it sounds like and it seems like it, it it was really easy for it to spiral out of control. Right, right. Absolutely. Mark, do you see that difference in terms of why people are coming in and that's different from what happened before? Boredom. Yeah, boredom mm. is, a, is a disease, like the I don't mind, right? It becomes mm-hmm. a cliche thing. What is it? I don't mind or a, is a devil's play thing kind of. Mm-hmm. A, so those predisposed to this problem when they're bored and alone or just with their spouse or whatever, yeah, it, it becomes a takeover. The other part, the second part of it, I noticed too, because again, I'm, I've, I've been doing um, the 12 step thing for me, it's what's worked and for long periods of time. The other part of it too, is a lot of people with significant sober time, significant time away from the drink or drug. Um, mm. As we began that, you know, I think all of us just an opinion, we need connection. And so when we, when we move to the format of Zoom Alcoholics Anonymous, for example. I mean, there's just, it doesn't, it didn't feel the same for me. I've been doing this for a long time. And even for me, it was difficult. I could only imagine someone a little bit newer, but we've seen a lot of relapse, a lot of relapse. A lot of people with significant time sober lose that connection and begin to drink, you know, or, or use again. And it's, it's sad to see that too, because coming back from those is sometimes harder than getting sober in the first place. Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, we were kind of sticking to this idea of alcohol. What about have you seen an uptick in, in any other substances that are being used and sort of what, what some of the reasons are? What are the like the, the top two or three things that people should be aware of? Benzo use. Um, we it, It's been a significant uh, increase across the board, Xanax, uh, Ativan, that type of drug, because and I think this is anyone would agree, right? If you look at the, the opiate epidemic, though still 
raging, right? We lost more people last year to opiate overdoses than ever before, yeah. right? And, and that's just another sign of the times, I think. But because it's so dangerous and the rise of fentanyl and the supply of opiates out there and how deadly it's become, it's scared a lot of people away. But they've turned to uh, uh, benzos a lot of times for that. It's not the same feeling, I don't think at all, but I think a lot of people are turning to that. Doctors also tend to overprescribe. Right. I've noticed, right? I've been to some, some, some lectures. I've been to some real medical-oriented uh, um, presentations on that. And mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, but, uh, like Xanax is not supposed to be prescribed for more than four months. And we're having people right. come in on high, high, high prescribed doses right. been on it for 20 years. Right. But that's becoming kind of a, a real uh, significant problem because the street is getting flooded with that stuff too. So I think that right behind alcohol, which is clearly legal and accessible, look at what happened. Right. It's always to mention, I mean, we kept the liquor stores open. I was talking to someone pretty high up in in the political world who was maybe an advisor to our governor. um, Uh And initially they were going to close liquor stores. And they said, well, wait a minute, we cannot close the liquor stores. People will, they will, every one of the 4,000, I think in the state of New Jersey is going to get broken into, right? You cannot close them. And they made a decision to keep them open. It's a pretty significant telltale thing. But benzo use, particularly Xanax use seems to be, uh, exploding right now, both wow. illicit and prescribed high, wow. high doses. As people come in, they're they're a wreck. It's a tough wow. one to come off of. So it it definitely definitely is. And uh, uh, unlike alcohol, I mean, you could be using, and um, you know, there's less telltale signs like with alcohol, which obviously you could have the the smell or just kind of the 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 state of that inebriation. It's it's probably harder to pick up. I just I I. Um, it's been a while now, but I've heard stories where clients tell me that some some physicians are very open to, uh, you know, receiving some sort of quote unquote compensation for a different amount uh, being prescribed. So that that's a uh, that's very difficult to hear. That's somebody who's in the industry, myself, hearing that people, uh, you know, providers, licensed providers, are open to kind of just facilitating that sort of an issue. What do you think about that, Tim? Yeah, I mean, th- from from what I've heard from a lot of prescribers is, um, well, a lot of prescribers that think the same way as me, they're they're sort of viewing this the uh, the over prescribing of benzos as kind of like the the second wave of like like of an opiate uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, ep- epidemic, and um, it's actually pretty nice for for me to hear that a lot of folks are um, viewing it in this way, um, viewing it as like, listen, benzos, Xanax, Klonopin, uh, out of van, you know, all of them, they're, they're, they're very addictive. They lead to tolerance. They lead to dependency and eventually they stop working because you gain that dependency and then you need more. Mm-hmm. And then if we think about it from, from, uh, an emotional regulation standpoint, right. Um, I think that it actually prevents us from being able to effectively cope with a feeling, which then, uh, makes it harder for us to cope with it the next time. Right. Right. So not only is it kind of like a physical uh, dependency, I think it's I think it's really, really um, psychologically difficult too. you know, I can't deal with this feeling of anxiety without my Xanax. You know, how how much even more anxiety provoking is that the next time that you feel anxious, not only do you feel anxious, but you know that you can't do anything to take care of it without a pill. You right. know, 
Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. It kind of almost like spirals out of control. And I would imagine, Mark, since you said you worked in, in um, detoxes before, kind of what's the typical state that people arrive at those places? Because, you know, some of the listeners may be surprised to know that one of the most dangerous things to come off of by yourself is alcohol. That's definitely something that I think at least a lot of the clients I work with are not familiar that, you know, if you've really been on a bender for maybe days or weeks, and if you're significantly been inebriated for quite some time, just stopping, especially alcohol and, and benzos as well, is extremely dangerous. One of the reasons why people can die during withdrawal, and a lot of people are unaware of that. Have you seen something like that? Um, you know, individuals uh, coming into uh, detox, really struggling with just being spiraled out of control? I've seen all of the above. Um, and you're right, people are really surprised. Uh, I just had a client last week who was a younger guy, but he said he's been drinking every day for seven months. And I said, you know, I can't in good faith, I can't, it would be a, a bad recommendation for me to say, quit drinking and start coming to an outpatient program. Because I, I don't know, you, your chances, young, healthy guy, slim, but that slim, you know, half a percent of you having a seizure, hitting your head, dying is way too significant for you to not go to detox. There's been plenty of people that have come in. They stabilize from an alcohol withdrawal. They don't know this. They're stable and they still have a seizure and have to go to the hospital. I mean, it was a high level of care, but we still can't manage that stuff. People are very surprised to learn both those and benzo. We, I say it to people all the time because I work with a lot of clients directly and convincing them that this is the right move for them. You know, opiate withdrawal, you, you, you really, if, if you did it on your own, you'd wish you were going to die because you feel, um, I've done it, <laughs> you feel really terrible. I mean, it feels like you're going to die, but you're not going to. It's genuinely pretty safe for a healthy individual. Not a lot of side effects. You just feel terrible. Alcohol and benzos you may not even feel as bad, but you can die. Yeah. I mean, it's literally deadly. And right. uh, I've seen some people come in in really scary shape. Uh, 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 my experience has been over the years that alcohol, a later stage alcohol, you guys have probably seen some coming in. They're actually more difficult to even convince to get help than, than the person that uses like illicit street drugs mm -hmm. because they can't see the problem. And I feel as though alcohol does something more damage to the brain than the other stuff. And you can just walk across the street and go to the liquor store and no one says anything. Whereas like the illicit drugs, you got to go to bad neighborhoods and right. bad times and get arrested and risk all the stuff. The alcoholic's tougher to convince, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some really, really scary cases, you know, yeah. late stage liver failure. And they'll right. say, Oh no, I'm okay. I don't need, I don't, I don't need a detox. I'm just going to quit. You know, it's like, Whoa. Uh, yeah, those, uh, you're right. Like, um, old, older gentlemen sometimes that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years, uh, have been quote unquote sort of func functioning. And, you know, I sometimes work with individuals, you know, that, uh, that hold, you know, some relative positions of power, right? Like, unfortunately I've heard stories where their employer literally looks the other way and just allows for just individual being inebriated during meetings because they're so crucial and so important to the organization that even the idea of like, let's maybe quietly get you some help is, is, is really not typically what's suggested. And those are, to me, the real scary stories. 
for you guys as a, you're with individual therapy, often do you see guys coming in and, and they're, you kind of know something's off, you know, there's a problem, but they're not even telling you, do you, do you guys come up against stuff like that a bit, a, a bunch? Tim? I would, I, w- I would say so. Yeah. You know, um, kind of the, the, a little bit of the rule of thumb is like when you first ask someone how much they use, you can like double it, you know, or like, <laughs> if not triple it, <laughs> if, if not triple it. Right. So, you know, um, so you kind of always have that idea in the back of your mind that it's, that it's probably worse than, 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 than what they're saying. Um, and maybe people will listen to that and say, okay, I got to reduce it by 25%, uh, by, by 75%. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's kind of always, uh, always in the back of our mind. And I think especially now, um, uh, and, and also, especially I, I too see, see a lot, see a lot of men, men in therapy and, um, oftentimes it's, it's their wives sort of pushing the envelope for them to come. Like they, they don't want to come. Um, and then so they're, they, they sort of end up in my room and they say, I really don't want to be here. And I could say, I could totally understand that. Um, and then I say, why? And then they say, Oh, you know, like I, I drink a little bit too much. Um, I think that that's pretty telling of, you know, like the fact that the, that the wife is seeing a problem or the partner or whatever. Um, and then they're coming in. It's sort of like, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I mean, I just, one thing to add to that is that I often get, um, this sort of ambivalence where basically it's, you know, my wife told me to call you, you know, she did the legwork, uh, she found whatever our practice on, on the website and basically sometimes calls in advance to be to vet or to whatever, get some information. And then the, the significant other calls later to be able to kind of to talk it through. And, and sometimes the, the conversation really isn't about that. Uh, I mean, I don't know, Tim, if you see that, but I definitely see the fact that they come in and they want to talk about like work or stress and only maybe like session four or five or six, the relationship is there to maybe have something like what Tim said, you know, I kind of drink too, too much. And then sometimes, you know, what, what I've noticed is that there are two different ways. Sometimes you can kind of catch it early and they're open to maybe doing like a 12 step. Uh, maybe sometimes as, as, uh, you both know, there's, you know, uh, pharmacological interventions, uh, that sometimes help. Some people are open to that. Um, interestingly enough, sometimes when the pharmacological intervention short term at least starts working, they drop the therapy, uh, an interesting side fact. Uh, and, but also then six months later call again in the worse shape than they were typically before. Unfortunately, that typically happens. Sometimes it does take, I've had conversations that span, I'm not exaggerating, 18 months before I can call somebody like yourself, Mark, to say, Hey, listen, we, we, we may need to be able to kind of work together right now. Uh, not a week or two, 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. What, and I, that was a setup question and because I already knew the answer, right? Because I did it. It's so crazy what experience having, you know, being an alcoholic uh, my, uh, myself. I did all that stuff. Now, I was a lot younger, but I know that it's usually pressure, especially with men coming from the wife. and they But they want to come in and tell you as little as possible. Right. And they want the problem, I would imagine, to be something other than alcohol, right? It's definitely her or the job or this or that. It can't be the alcohol. Don't take that away from me. In fact, right. I'm not even going to mention that, how much I drink because I don't want you to tell me that that's the problem. They know right. what the problem is. Right. 
Right. It's such an incredible thing. I, I've heard that so many, but I lived it. I did it. I'll come in and I'll, I always call, I tell people <laughs> it's, um, they'll cop to the lesser charge. You know, mm -hmm. you get somebody red handed, you know, doing something wrong and they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, I had two drinks, you know, really you had two 50 gallon drum drinks or whatever, but they'll only admit to the lesser thing. Or I would come in and think I'm going to fool you guys. Here's a couple of experts in the world of therapy and knowing people and all that stuff. You guys see right through it. But what do you say? I can't even And you described something that gave me goosebumps, Dr. Lucan, which was um, the pharmacological thing works. They leave and six months later, they're back in worse shape. That's what we see. You see it. I see it in AA. I see it in recovery all the time. So something about me, I, I get a little bit better. I think I'm okay. And then, and then I leave. And that's what we saw. I mean, again, back to the COVID thing. That's what you saw. That's why I saw the relapse. You know, in the beginning, when it goes to online meetings, people didn't want to do it. You know, online therapy, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Has this been significant for you guys, by the way? The total segue to that. I mean, did, did you switch to all online? And how did that work for you? I'm curious to hear. How, how do you uh, like it? it uh, I was concerned that people are not going to give this a go, but at least at our practice, it has been a relatively smooth transition. Um, so it, from that point of view, it worked out well. One thing I can tell you, and I think Tim can attest to this, is that if you remember the lockdown was from March 2020, right, to May 15th, 2020, if you remember. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, Tim, and correct me if I'm wrong, some of the clinicians were back in office on June 1st, not even so much, potentially some because they wanted to, but a lot of people started to call in and say, hey, listen, the basically, I don't want to say the pandemic is over, but the restriction is over. I want to be back in person because that's how I benefit the most. And right now, I mean, we've been in person since basically June 1st for some of us, not all of us, uh, but right now it's very difficult to convince a new client and it's august 17th 2021 as you know there's again some upticks you know everywhere uh but people are still wanting to come in because i think they be it a traditional sense of how therapy is or they benefit from just like being in the room with somebody there's something extra that happens in right. the room versus kind of like even the zoom call that that we're doing here it's it's not i don't i don't know how to describe it i don't know if there's a specifically research that's done but there's that that energy in the room that i think people really benefit from yeah and I, I i could i can kind of echo that you know um it, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag, especially like in the beginning, I think people were a whole lot more open to virtual therapy. Um, and with that being said, I mean, me personally, I've had a lot of success with it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I was kind of shocked, kind of surprised, but a, a lot of really, really great outcomes, which I'm super happy about. Um, and yes, I, I do think that there it's, it's much more uh, appealing to, to sort of come in and actually like meet with me in person rather than me just being another person on a computer screen. Yeah, yeah. How does how does um, how did you guys deal with with COVID? I'm sure you know people obviously had an uptick in in, in needing the types of services that you guys provide. How, how did that work out? I mean, for a while, I mean, we, we you know we we did have to switch to kind of Zoom therapy, even group, mm -hmm. group therapy, individual therapy, um, without even getting too much because we're not going to go there. But like even at a Blue Crest, I mean. 
you, you would have clients that are living with you, but you they couldn't come down to the center during the day because someone had tested positive for COVID mm-hmm. and they all needed to be quarantined. So we'd be doing teletherapy out of the houses and stuff. Wow. Um, IOP went to full teletherapy. And really as much of a driver as the social interaction and the being in person, which I'm, I agree with you guys, a hundred or something different about even, you know, just being amongst people versus the screen. Um, but the, uh, the other the insurance companies stop uh, mm-hmm. authorizing the time behind the screen as of now, right? They didn't want and so the rest of them are September 1st. They're cutting right. it off, even with these variants and the uptake right. and stuff like that. But that's what we did. And then I was even at the detox. I mean, we, we also tried to keep in place protocols that were testing on the way in. We're using these essentially bunk antibody tests, denying entry. So there's sometimes that people were getting turned around at the door of the detox. Wow. Needing it badly. But because they have a positive COVID test, you can't, what do you do? Right. I mean, what can you do? You can't bring that person in and nobody could. It was, it's, it was a mess for a little while. Wow. Uh, can you imagine somebody is really spiraling out of control? And then because of a positive COVID test, which I potentially I could imagine how some of these things are, uh, are linked together at some point, like, wow, wow, that's a, that's a difficult situation to deal with. Difficult. What do you and say? Just, you know, use for two more weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Until yeah, yeah, you're yeah. negative and then come exactly. in and get, and get right? detoxed. Essentially that's what you're telling people is brutal. Families were just wow. meltdowns and, rightly so but there was nowhere the hospitals couldn't even take the person it was it was it was a screwed up time thank god we got the vaccines and some some things have changed and some better testing to know mm-hmm. whether or not the person actually does have you know the right. a current infection because it's still something to deal with and some places have some things in place that they can do um, you know quarantine detox and stuff like that because you're talking about life-saving stuff I and mean, it's really the emergency room for um for 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 addiction right i think well, it's the er exactly i mean that's uh, thank you for saying that because that, that's exactly what i'm thinking it's literally you know what could be more emergency than a detox from from some sort of uh, either medication or drug that could really kill you kill you so i'm, I'm glad thankfully we're starting to get through some of this stuff and there's cool takeaways. We'll always teletherapy for you guys will probably always be part right. of the practice. And the, the nice thing about that is I guess you get to reach a little bit of a wider audience. The person that's not motivated to travel to the office, you get to at least see them. So that's cool for you guys. And we'll have some of that stuff, I think, ongoing, even at the treatment level and stuff. And Zoom has revolutionized even like Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step programs. Sure. You know, the cool, the only, the, the benefits, came, I mean, I can go... At any time, any day, any time of the day, all day, every day, there's a there's a place to connect. Even at the peer recovery supports that is offered by Twelve Step, you could be on a meeting in China this afternoon if right. you want to. Right. It's, so there's some upside. Wow. To all this stuff. It's pretty cool. Wow. No, absolutely, Mark. What do you think are some of the just the two or three takeaways for some of the listeners too when they're kind of maybe listening to this conversation and saying maybe on one level, nah, that's not me. That's, that's not an issue for me. But maybe, maybe on another level, kind of maybe suppressing to <laughs> to kind of use some of the clinical terms, some of the things that are going on. What, what are your like two three things that you would want some of the listeners to know? Just the ones that could potentially be struggling, in other words, you know, mm-hmm. reach out for help. It's um, it's not 
don't underestimate the disease of addiction, the disease of alcoholism, right? I mean, it's, it's, everybody wants to tell themselves in the beginning that it's going to be a much easier process than it really is. And I think the main takeaway is oftentimes people can't do it without help of professionals, whether mm-hmm. it's at a detox or a therapist or a rehab or whatever it might be, just ask for help, you know, dedicate a little bit of time to it, take away that it's okay. And that there are millions of people with the same struggle um, and that it's not punishment, right? The, the, I think another big thing that people seem to believe is that you drink too much in your sentences, you have to go to therapy, to rehab right. and to uh, AA, right? And it's not a sentence. It actually will turn out coming to talk to you guys once a week or twice a week for therapy or going to rehab, oftentimes it turns out to be some people's the best experiences they've ever had in their lives. You know, we get a second chance at life. I feel very lucky and I'm so happy to be in recovery because I had a second chance at a, a really, a third chance because my story is different, uh, at, a, at a different life that's in recovery has been the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's been cool. The people you get to meet along the way and the insights you get that I think, you know, um, only came from from coming in so don't be afraid to ask for help yeah no absolutely tim any kind of thoughts on your end about uh, this whole thing <laughs> following that no that was yeah. perfect <laughs> um, yeah i'd be mean, just uh you know i i really i i guess i just want to echo one of mark's awesome points um you know kind of um these things can lay dormant for a while and we all went through a big long enduring difficult time right so if you take any sort of predisposition and anything laying dormant and we go through all of this i think it's i think it's a good use of all of our time to tune a little bit of awareness to it keep an eye on it and if we notice something going going in the direction that we would prefer it not to it's probably better to nip it in the bud yeah yeah no absolutely um one thing that i often try to suggest to people is just in the privacy of your own space, just be honest with yourself. I feel like that's the most important thing. There's just so many people that I see that are metaphorically fighting people off their significant others, their bosses, maybe a part of themselves. Like it's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's they're telling me it's a problem, right? Like, so one thing I would always encourage some of the listeners who who may be teetering on this kind of, do I have a problem or not? Just in your own private space, be honest with yourself in terms of what's really happening for you. Forget about other people. Forget about fighting them off. Really tune into what's happening for you. And if you feel like it's something that you'd like to address, you could, you know, reach out to a local therapist. You could call us. You could call Martin. You could basically call anybody as long as you're open to uh, to getting help if you need it. Uh, well, thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Tim, as always, for uh, joining us today. And uh, to everyone who's listening, thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for tuning in this week. As always, we hope that you enjoyed the show. And please make sure to subscribe. We love to interact with our listeners. If you have something you'd like to comment on, ask us about, or hope to hear on the show, please message us on Facebook or Twitter at Last Session of the Day with the site guys or send us an email at last session otd at lucancenter.com hope to hear from you soon and tune in next week for another engaging episode this has been the last session of the day with the site guys see you next time <laughs>